Hi, this is Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today is episode 66 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. Last episode I called 66 was actually 65. Today is episode 66. Oh, how soft and tender a spirit was he. How far were his experiences, hopes, and joys from a tendency finally to stupefy and harden him, to lessen convictions and tenderness of conscience, to cause him to be less affected with present and past sins and less conscientious with respect to future sins. How far were they? from making him more easy in neglect of duties which are troublesome and inconvenient, more slow and partial in complying with difficult commands, less apt to be alarmed at the appearance of his own defects and transgressions, more easily induced to a compliance with carnal appetites. On the contrary, how tender was his conscience, How apt was his heart to smite him. How easily and greatly was he alarmed at the appearance of moral evil. How great and constant was his jealousy over his own heart. How strict his care and watchfulness against sin. How deep and sensible were the wounds that sin made in his conscience. Those evils, which are generally accounted small, were almost an insupportable burden to him, such as his inward deficiencies, his having no more love to God, finding within himself any slackness or dullness in religion, any unsteadiness or wandering frame of mind. How did the consideration of such things as these oppress and abase him and fill him with inward shame and confusion. His love and hope, though they were such as cast out a servile fear of hell, yet were attended with and abundantly cherished and promoted a reverential, filial fear of God, a dread of sin and of God's holy displeasure. His joy seemed truly to be a rejoicing with trembling. His assurance and comfort differed greatly from a false, enthusiastic confidence and joy in that it promoted and maintained mourning for sin. He did not, after he received comfort and full satisfaction of the safety of his state, forget his past sins, whether committed before or after his conversion but the remembrance of them from time to time. Revived in his heart with renewed grief, that passage was evidently fulfilled in him, that thou mayest remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame, when I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done. Ezekiel sixteen, sixty-three. 
His religious affections and joys were not like those of some who have rapture and mighty emotions from time to time in company, but have very little affection in retirement and secret places. Though he was of a very sociable temper and loved the company of saints and delighted very much in religious conversation and in social worship, Yet his warmest affections and their greatest effects on his animal nature and his sweetest joys were in his closet devotions and solitary transactions between God and his own soul, as is very observable through his whole course from his conversion to his death. He delighted greatly in sacred retirements and loved to get quite away from all the world to converse with God alone in secret duties. Brainerd's experiences and comforts were very far from being like those of some persons which are attended with a spiritual satiety and which put an end to their religious desires and longings, at least to the edge and ardency of them, resting satisfied in their own attainments and comforts as having obtained their chief end, which is to extinguish their fears of hell and give them confidence of the favor of God. On the contrary, they were always attended with longings and thirstings after greater degrees of conformity to God. The greater and sweeter his comforts were, the more vehement were his desire after holiness. His longings were not so much after joyful discoveries of God's love and clear views of his own title to future advancement and eternal honors in heaven, as after more of present holiness, greater spirituality, and heart more engaged for God to love and exalt and depend on him. He earnestly wished to serve God better, to do more for his glory, to do all that he did with more of a regard to Christ as his righteousness and strength, and to behold the enlargement and advancement of his kingdom on earth. His desires were not idle wishes, but such as were powerful and effectual to animate him to the earnest, eager pursuit of these things with the utmost diligence and unfainting labor and self-denial. His comforts never put an end to his seeking after God and striving to obtain his grace, but, on the contrary, greatly engaged him therein. Number four. His religion did not consist in experience without practice. All his inward illuminations, affections, and comforts seemed to have a direct tendency to practice and to issue in it, and this not merely a practice negatively good, free from gross acts of irreligion and immorality, but a practice positively holy and Christian, in a serious, devout, 
humble, meek, merciful, charitable, and beneficent conversation. Making the service of God and our Lord Jesus Christ the great business of life to which he was devoted and which he pursued with the greatest earnestness and diligence to the end of his days through all his trials. In him was to be seen the right way of being lively in religion. His liveliness in religion did not consist merely or mainly in his being lively with the tongue, but in deed, not in being forward in profession and outward show and abundant in declaring his own experiences, but chiefly in being active and abundant in the labors and duties of religion, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord and serving his generation according to the will of God. Reflection 2 The foregoing account of Brainerd's life may convince us that there is indeed such a thing as true experimental religion arising from an immediate divine influence supernaturally enlightening and convincing the mind and powerfully impressing, quickening, sanctifying, and governing the heart. If any insist that Brainerd's religion was mere enthusiasm, the result of a heated imagination, I would ask, what were the fruits of his enthusiasm? In him we behold a great degree of honesty and simplicity, sincere and earnest desires and endeavors to know and do whatever is right and to avoid everything that is wrong, a high degree of love to God, delight in the perfections of his nature, placing the happiness of life in him, not only in contemplating him, but in being active in pleasing and serving him, a firm and undoubting belief in the Messiah as the Savior of the world, the great prophet of God and King of the Church, together with great love to him, delight and complacence in the way of salvation by him, and longing for the enlargement of his kingdom, earnest desires that God may be glorified and the Messiah's kingdom advanced, whatever instruments are employed, uncommon resignation to the will of God, and that under vast trials, and great and universal benevolence to mankind, reaching all sorts of persons without distinction, manifested in sweetness of speech and behavior, kind treatment, mercy, liberality, and earnestly seeking the good of the souls and bodies of men. All this we behold attended with extraordinary humility, meekness, forgiveness of injuries, and love to enemies. In him we see a modest, discreet, and decent deportment, 
among superiors, inferiors, and equals, a most diligent improvement of time, earnest care to lose no part of it, and great watchfulness against all sorts of sin of heart, speech, and action. This example and these endeavors we see attended with most happy fruits and blessed effects on others in humanizing, civilizing, and wonderfully reforming and transforming some of the most brutish savages, idle, immoral drunkards, murderers, gross idolaters, and wizards, bringing them to permanent sobriety, diligence, devotion, honesty, conscientiousness, and charity. The foregoing virtues and successful labors all end at last in a marvelous peace, immovable stability, calmness and resignation in the sensible approaches of death, with longing for the heavenly state, not only for the honors and circumstantial advantages of it, but above all for the moral perfection and holy and blessed employments of it. These things are seen in a person indisputably of good understanding and judgment. I therefore say, if all these things are the fruits of enthusiasm, why should not enthusiasm be thought a desirable and excellent thing? For what can true religion, what can the best philosophy do more? Well, my goodness, princess, let me this tell you the news. My husband, of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd. The 